The Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. We lost that championship game against Donegal. We didn't lose a game for seven years after that. I tell you, we were angry after that game. Dublin came back, I remember, in 2015. It was, we're putting this right. Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. Oh, the shame that will get. You've let all the fans down. Can we not knock this? It's a fact. I love playing mind games. I'm talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladici, I would probably say I was more of a tactical genius. Yeah, I answer questions on anything. Uh, religious, <laughs> politics, uh, health, you know, sexual uh, problems. Look at his face! Just look at his face! None of you except for those two have done anything to justify the money that you earn. None of you! Disgrace! And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Dear Lord, what a sad little life, Ronaldo. You ruined my night. Completely. So you could have your record. But I hope now you spend it on getting some lessons in grace and decorum because you have all the grace of a reversing dump truck without any tyres on. Ronaldo is the leading men's international goal scorer. He scored two goals in the final few minutes to beat Ireland. And we are once again sitting here talking about a great Ireland performance that ended in defeat. Welcome along to Team 33. and here with you until about 10 o'clock this evening. Oshin McCurns is with me as well. Oshin, hello. Hello. Hello and how are you? And Jack O'Toole is with me as well. Jack, how are you? How are you, Ender? Not too bad. So I want to start with this. That was the epitome of an Irish football fan experience. Competitive, having a real crack against superior opposition. On the verge of taking down the house before a heartbreak in the most agonizing way possible. Jack O'Toole tweeted that last night after he had a couple of pints, I do believe. So it's pretty well worded for a man who was just off the beer. Jack, do you want to... Explain that to the listeners. What were your thoughts when you were putting that together? Yeah, it was emotional. Um, me and Oshin actually watched the game together. We're, we're friends like that. Uh, so <laughs> we're tight, we, yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, no, we, so we watched it in the in, in the Camden um, Quake Place, but the uh, nice, nice of them to have us. Free advertisement but, there for the I was going to say, yeah, they're getting a sponsorship for watching this. <laughs> well, negotiations. Uh, but yeah, no, we watched it and... I think, like, you know, we, we didn't really have high expectations for Ireland going in um, because you look at the squads beforehand and it's very much Champions League versus Championship. Like, that's kind of very much how it's built across the board. And looking at the Irish team over the last year, the Qatar and the Luxembourg games, and you can see elements of, of what Kenny's been trying to do. But ultimately, the results have been very disappointing. So you're, you're expecting them just to get walked off the park. Um and it didn't really go like that at all. Uh, like, it's by far and away the best performance Ireland have had um, in, in years. Um, so that was really, really good to see. Um, what was not good to see was how it always ends in these type of games. Um, the Ireland-Germany game, obviously, was standing. Um, you know, I mean, Ireland survived the onslaught in that one. They did not survive the onslaught in this one. Um, and it was a real kind of, like... You know, you're watching the clock go by and you're like 60 minutes. Geez, we're still one up here. 70 minutes, 75 minutes, 80 minutes. And you're like, geez, we're actually going to beat Portugal. Like, we're going to lose to Luxembourg and we're going to beat a team with Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva and Cristiano Ronaldo. And the list goes on. Um, and it was just agonizing to concede the same goal twice. Um, I know James McLean's the voice of person, but uh, I just like just showing the line why like where is he going i don't understand when the ball's getting crossed in why you're kind of jumping in with a tackle you give him a tiny bit of space 
And then, of course, Ronaldo does what he's done his entire career. So, it, we like me and Ocean just sat there afterwards and there's barely a word had between we were with it and a friend Will there. And it was just like, there's nothing else you can say other than that was sickening, like truly sickening. Uh, because you're about to probably have the best one of the two or three best wins we've had of the decade or the last 10 years. And uh, it's the, the range of emotions from 90 seconds of we're going to win this to, I suppose, a draw is a good result to I don't even know what to feel or say right now. Uh, I just kind of want to go home. <laughs> it's kind of how I, how I left that position. But uh, yeah, truly sicker. Yeah, it's as emotional as I felt about a football match in a long, long time. And that just says something that, about the way that football has gone over the last couple of years, especially in this country. But I went into the game with my expectations on the ground. So anything getting getting anything out of the game was a, a bonus. And then about 45 minutes into the game, before even before Johnny Egan gets the goal, I'm like, Ireland are really doing something here. Ireland are like properly taking this game to Portugal. There's a strong argument to say that Ireland fully deserved their lead when they eventually did take it before halftime. I am for it to fall flat in its face then after two, like basically two minutes at the end of the game after being so consistently uh, tight and stable and getting your positions right and then for just a couple of attention lapses at the end and Ronaldo does what he does. Oshin, I presume you were the same as Jack after after that game where it's just almost hard to comprehend what happened. It was, yeah, it was heartbreaking. That was it. Jack said it there. Like we kind of we didn't say a word to each other for about ten minutes after we kind of just sat there being like, There's no way that we just saw that. Like and the fact that it was Ronaldo scoring the same goal twice, you're kinda of thinking there's no how could it be possible that five minutes ago Ireland were on for as you said, Jack, the, one of the best results of the decade. And now suddenly it's they're getting nothing, not even a single point out of it. I was good enough when they scored the equalizer. Never mind the winner. And I just like yeah, it was heartbreaking because the, I mean, the game was Ireland played so well. Like, and it wasn't one of these. It wasn't your typical Ireland against the big team performance whereby it was 11 men behind the ball and hope and pray that someone... I know, obviously, Egan did score from a set piece, but it wasn't one of those where it was 11 men behind the ball, defend, 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 and hope and pray that we get one chance hoofed up long. It goes for a set piece, or corner, a set piece, and we score through there. So it, they played so well. The counter, I think Kenny said it up perfectly. Like the counter attack was, was excellent. When they when Ireland did get on the ball, especially in the first half. Now the second half they were going to be under they're under the cost, but that's just natural anyway. You're going to be a little bit more pragmatic when you're one 0 up. I think regardless. So I don't really think that that's a, a slight on Kenny or the style of play or anything like that. But in the first half, when Ireland did get on the ball, they showed so much promise. Like the wing backs, like Coleman and Doherty were excellent starting attacks. Ida was great. I thought McGrath played quite well. He 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 was kind of. I don't want to call it a cameo because he, he felt like he didn't get on the ball all that much. When he did, he was effective and he played a nice ball over the top. Connolly was lively and I was going to get into players a little bit more after. But it was they played well when they had the ball and there was intent when they had it. It wasn't just a case of, okay, get it long and just push up and see what we can do from set piece and maybe score a scrappy goal or something like that because it was deserved and there was chances too. I mean, just before Egan scored from the header, Connolly was strong goal after that brilliant ball from Josh Cullen outside of the boot. The Conley and Conley was strong goal. I think that either the keeper saved it or was blocked, but there was chances there. And there was times when you seen Ida getting into space. Uh, I mean, we, we said the Hardy and Coma, like they were getting into good space too. So it's not like it was a case of pragmatic, 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 and snatch. It would have been a, it would have been a smash and grab, but it wouldn't have been the classic Ireland smash and grab, whereby it's just complete pragmatism from start to finish. So I think that was what 
what was even more heartbreaking, the fact that it actually worked. It's starting to work finally. And we were about to see, for all the, the flack, I suppose, that Kenny's taken, for the, the loss against Luxembourg, the one, I mean, going one down against Andorra, I know the result came in the end. The defeat to Slovakia, the defeat to Serbia. It felt like it was all about to be, not, I don't want to say washed away, because that's probably a bit extreme, but it was all about to be almost justified because the way that Kenny set this team out was about to beat one of the best teams in the world. And then Ronaldo pops up with, with two identical goals and they end up losing. And that, yeah. that's what's the worst part about it. And it's you feel for Stephen Kenny because he just can't buy any luck. He can't get it. He can't get a tap of luck at all. Now, I know there was a, you could probably argue, okay, Jota hit the post. Ronaldo had the penalty save. I don't think that was a good, good great save from Zuno. But you kind of look at that and you go, when you consider all the COVID things that have, that have hit the players that he's missed through COVID, injuries, things like that. And then you look at this game yesterday and you think, I mean, how he just can't buy like. I don't know what he, he I don't know what he did or who he pissed off, but he just can't get a single tap of luck. And it's so it's your heart does break from your heart breaks for the team, but it's it's a great base to build on. And you'd hope now that on Saturday against Azerbaijan, they show that same that they show that same fight and that same grit and that same attacking style and belief in what they're doing. And you'll hope that that, that would pay off against what is understandably a lesser team. Yeah, I think Kenny might have pissed off. I don't know the Greek gods. It seems to be beyond his yeah. control of what he can do. I mean, Calm Robinson obviously had to pull out of this camp because he had COVID for the second time. Uh, mm. Shane Long, but just before the game, you know, dropped out of the squad because he he po- tested positive as well. And you just think that if Shane Long's there off the bench, that's a different option that he didn't have coming off when coming onto the pitch whenever Ireland were. Uh, trying to shore up things in the, the final, you know, 10, 15 minutes. But, I mean, snatch and grab, it, wouldn't, it would not have been. Like, if, if you look at the stats, yes, Portugal were the dominant side. Their XG was actually quite high. It was at, at three, so they underachieved on their XG. But out of 23 shots, 23 chances created, they only had four big chances according to foot, uh, foot mob data so four big chances in a game against portugal and ireland had six shots uh that's that's not really a sign of a side that are just parking the bus kicking the ball up long and, and hoping for the best there were there was real intent and a real purpose behind what ireland were doing there they knew what they were doing they knew what they were trying to do um and in, in terms of like disappointment i mean what our feeling was like after the game imagine what Stephen Kenny felt like and then he had to go out in front of the media and speak about it so I'll bring you a little bit of Kenny here this is what he thought of the overall result after coming away with uh, no points from this game you know we're very very close to a very historic victory tonight Um, you know the the players are really uh, exceptional overall I felt the first half we you know, we controlled a good bit of the game. We played on the counter attack, and Aaron Connolly and Adam Miner were concentrated, which is what we wanted. You know, we sort of we knew that Portugal would have an element of possession, but they didn't really create chances for one in the first half. Um, so our lead didn't flatter us, I didn't think, and. Um, We controlled a lot of the first half. The second half was tougher for us. Um, Portugal brought, you know, they they're, they're high quality teams. There's no doubt about that. You know, they really are a high quality team, and they played well in the second half. And but 
we defended heroically and had some chances to actually go two up and just couldn't quite get there with it with the opportunities but um to lose as we did it was devastating really in the end yeah so Kenny said it there. The lead didn't flatter Ireland when they eventually did take the lead. That was through John Egan. Before that, uh, Gavin Bazunu had saved a penalty from Ronaldo to stop him from breaking that record. And it looked like things were finally starting to turn for Ireland. They were playing quite well. Jack, we'll start with a penalty. Um, so firstly, I don't think it was a penalty. I mean, they, they show, showed the replay about 10, 15 times at least to the referee at the side of the pitch. He eventually comes to this, the decision that it was a penalty that Jeff Hendrick didn't get to the ball before he got to Bruno Fernandez's leg. And uh, look, Gavin Mazzuno, it was a loose pass. It was a short pass. He miskicked it. But then he stood up and, and saved the penalty. A 19-year-old goalkeeper playing for Portsmouth who, you know, a couple of years ago, he saved his first penalty when he was a 16-year-old for Shamrock Rovers and it was against Kieran Sadler. Now he's saving Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty. Start with Bazunu here before we get to the Ronaldo situation. I mean, this guy is a serious, serious prospect. And as well as his goal, goalkeeping ability and his leadership that's beyond his years, I was looking at him and he is on loan from Man City. I can see him being a Manchester City goalkeeper in a couple of years. Yeah, just even going back to the, to the, the amount of time they spent by VAR. I mean, if they're going to take two and a half days to look at a penalty, and um, maybe look at Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> throwing hands at Dara Oshag if they're going to spend that long over there. Um, but no, it really was like in terms of basically you're like, oh, Bazuna's kind of just got into the team, gotten a couple of run of games, and now the kind of penalty was caused by him, um, you know, uh, from there. And you're kind of like, oh, this is... He's going to be the subject here of criticism straight off the bat. Ireland probably go down 1-0. Cristiano bangs this in and um, maybe the floodgates open. Um, and instead, like, I think, like, with all the hype around Ronaldo over the last week, uh, and Bazuno is literally, what, half his age. I think Ronaldo is making his sport in Lisbon debut when this guy's born. So this is kind of like what you'd expect from, like, you know, a FIFA career mode player of, like, <laughs> Basically, you know, this is the opening scene, basically, from there. And he steps up and he makes a magnificent save. And you're just like, geez, we've really got something here. Um, like, he's, he's definitely, in terms of, like, obviously, look, you look at Ederson there at City. I mean, he's, he's still talking a good couple of years away. But he certainly got the size and the profile of, basically, a guy that could fit into that kind of position in the future. There's a lot to be determined from there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Arnold's got a real star. I mean, this guy's, like... Uh, I think he got even got into the Rovers team at maybe 15, 16. I'm pretty sure he was very much still in school. Um, so he definitely looks good from there. But yeah, there was, there was a number of players I thought. And then at the other end of the pitch, the other guy that stood out to me was um, was Adam Ida. I don't know if you had that later in the, in the you know, your segment or whatever, but he um, he was unbelievable. Um, like he had Ruben Diaz hanging off the back of him for half the match and winning fouls against him. And you're talking about literally a guy that was like the Premier League player of the season last year. And Ida's, you know, he's kind of camped there behind Team Puki at Norwich. But you're like, this guy is... I, look, I, I was thinking about it earlier. I don't want to go crazy and say, like, he's Romelu Lukaku. Because, but it, after watching that Chelsea-Arsenal game so recently and just seeing what, like, Lukaku did to Mary. Ida didn't do that to 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 put to, to Ruben Diaz. But he certainly held his own and he was definitely great in terms of link up from there. And I think 
while Kenny is trying to play expansive and out from the back, that is a kind of a central point that you do need. You do need a striker that can pass and lay off the ball from there. And I think he completed something like 18 of his passes. So, like, there was really... Well, I know, obviously, the overarching feeling of this entire thing is, is just a sickening result. But it's particularly from some of the younger players that you really need to hope blossom over the next few years for us to kind of, you know, have any kind of chance going forward. Some really, really impressive um, displays, and chiefly probably from Ida and Bazuna. Yeah, it was, it was one of the things I pointed out far off the ball, you know, during the game when Ireland were 1-0 up, and you 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 think that, you know, this game is there to be one, but ultimately you think they're, you know, this is the same old Ireland, it's it's not going to end in a, in a win. And if you looked at the team at the time that uh, I tweeted this, Gavin Bazunu, 19 years old, Obamadile is 19 years old, Daro O'Shea, who went off for him, he's 20 years old, I think, 21 um, Aaron Conley playing up front, 21 years old. Anamita, 20 years old. And they were 1-0 up against a side that had Pepe, who's won three Champions Leagues. Ruben Diaz, a double Premier League winner. Bruno Fernandes, one of the best midfielders in, in the world. Cristiano Ronaldo, for Christ's sake. 1-0 up. And these five of the, the starting players, you know, I think out of the starting 11, um, eight of our players had less than 20 caps for the country. So this is very much a project team that's going to take a while to get over there uh, over the line but i think you need to trust the process and trust that it's going to happen and i think that's the biggest worry from this is that people will get impatient if the results don't come and you know, with stephen kenny's contracts up for renewal will he get the new contract or will we go for someone who's not going to believe in these players who's going to do the same old thing and trust the old guard and then we get 10 years down the line, Josh Cullen still has 20 caps for his country. He hasn't pushed on to, to what he wants. So I, there's some real issues that we will touch on more later on the show. But I guess the big question here, Oshin, is Ronaldo. Should he have been sent, been sent off for that on Darrow Shea? Yeah, 100%. I definitely think he did. Like, they didn't even look at it. They didn't even look back at it. No. That was the worst part about it. Like, they didn't even... It was just a thing that, like... They, they showed one replay of it and I think because I think it was getting fed through Portuguese TV wasn't it I think yeah it was Darren the, Maloney it was the, said that yeah, yeah it was the or, feed yeah. the, the word feed that they were getting yeah so because Darren Maloney said that he was like we can't see it again I think they might have shown it once but like he just he literally like he, throw, he slaps him he it was close fist as well oh yeah so and like I don't I just don't see how I mean that's that's that was even that, I've seen a few people be like oh well it was only petulant so they not call it whatever you want you know what I mean you still can't do that like Regardless of what it's called, and like, mm. I think it's great from Daryl Shea though. That, that was, I love that. <laughs> you're the first person to say. You're the first person to say that. I've seen no, lots of people saying, "Ah, oh, oh. pathetic from Daryl Shea." No, what do you want him to do? No, no. Jesus I love Christ. that more of that. Oh. That's what this 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 team needs a bit more of that. Like, I love that and Doherty as well. Matt Doherty kind of, yeah, like rolling around. Not, not yeah. Let, let's say for Sorry, example, but... let's say Daryl Shea throws that they get Ronaldo. Do you think Ronaldo's do, not doing that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's gone. Like Daryl Shea is like gone, but. Like I thought that was great. I was like, give me more of that. Like, I want that. I want Doherty going down a little bit easily and and kind of hobbling half off the pitch. And I want Conley kind of trying to. I know in 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 that instance he shouldn't have gone down. He should have crossed it. But I want Conley going down a little bit easily. And I want mm. I, I I like we need that. I think this Kenny team needs that kind of little bit of cynicism, or just a little bit of shithousery, just a little bit of something that like will kind of make them a little bit nasty. You know that kind of way. Like, not to say that they they still can't play pretty football but I think this I, I enjoyed that from Darryl O'Shea to be fair Any, and to, you could probably argue like maybe it did work 
You know what I mean? Maybe they, he missed it. So maybe he did put him off. In some, yeah. In some way. But yeah, definitely Ronaldo should have been sent off. The fact that they didn't even look at it was the dumbest thing ever. Like the referee was so clearly, like, did you see him like laughing and with Ronaldo after he booked him and stuff like that? It was, and I, and when they, when he, he nearly made, I thought he was going to make him retake it as well. It was that like mm. 10 seconds. Spell there was that, yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was thinking, this is just nailed on. They just, they're, they're doing everything they possibly can to give this one to Ronaldo. But yeah, to go back to your original question, 100% he should have been sent off. And, mm-hmm. and at least even like, I don't, how is that not a yellow? How, how, what? Like, if it's not a red, I, I don't even, like, how, I don't, I just, it made no sense to me. I was like, they showed it one time and I was like, he literally just slapped him. And then that was the end of that. It was just not said again. It was dumb. It shouldn't have been on the pitch. If it's not Ronaldo, it's a red card. Yeah. Like if it, let's say for example, if it's Darrow Shea doing that to Ronaldo, it's one hundred percent a red card. That's that's mm. the thing about it. it th- this whole night was built for oh, Ronaldo. Na- oh, this whole for night sure. was the, the whole the thing was yeah. about Ronaldo yeah. breaking this record. And you know what's the dumbest thing about all this? Genuinely, the dumbest thing. He didn't even break the world record. He broke the man's record. He's not yeah. even new. like. I mean, he has he to caught, score like sixty more goals fella. if he wants to score the international. <laughs> if he wants to break the international goals record. Yeah, like, Mickey Mouse. Uh, that's a Mickey Mouse award he just won. Like, oh, even- <laughs> I mean, it's a good achievement, but that's a, it's the dumbest thing ever that people are building this up. Anyway, I, I want to give you one alternative uh, situation in the uh, in, in in a weird sort of universe that is right beside ours, but a different situation happens. Bob Dwyer got in touch on Twitter, and he said that he will give me an alternative. If Ronaldo does get sent off, so let's say in this universe Ronaldo gets sent off for that, Bruno takes the penalty, he doesn't miss, and Portugal go on to win one nil, if not more than that. Nah, not the worst take in the world, to be fair. Probably, probably not the yeah. worst take in the world. It can be hard to play against ten men. It can be very, very hard to play against. It 10 can men. Be, when one of them, especially when one of them that, is Ronaldo. If that, or, yeah, if that yeah. ten men is Portugal who are one nil up against Ireland. Yeah. I do hear it's easier to play against ten men than eleven men. That's, that's oh, I don't, I don't, that I, I'd say that I think heard. I heard nine. I heard nine is easier as well. Actually, Does this fall into the same thing where it's uh, more dangerous to be two nil up than one nil up? Uh, don't even. We could get too uh, far stuck on that. <laughs> Move on. What's the next segment, Ella? What's the next? Yeah, segment? Don't don't listen to those people. That's the advice. <laughs> oh, don't two nil is more people. dangerous than one nil. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right, we, we do need to take a quick break, but before we get to that break, let's finish out with the first half, the uh, the John Egan goal. I mean, there's a lot to love about this goal. It's a set piece that is definitely straight off the training ground. John Egan gets his first international goal. Great ball from Jamie McGrath, who's it's his first day, first time, first competitive game for Ireland. Um, and it's just, explain to me, Jack, the moment that Ireland scores. What, what's the reaction like in the Camden? Oh, McQuarrie is up on his feet. Yeah, all sorts I'm of feet, and yeah. screams and I'm hitting my cheers, head off the lights. The, the light cheers of joy, giving it yeah, two yeah. hands. Yeah, very much so in the corner. Um, no, the, the the feeling that I had of it was the uh, Shane Duffy just becoming the absolute mastery of the corner uh, of the set piece. He's the man's taken a lot of flack over the last year for his performances, but he, he does seem to have. Uh, you know, he kind of seemed to orchestrate to to, to Egan to take the near run. He was going to go far. He just maybe has like a, uh, you know, a, a savant level understanding of, of, of the corner. Um, and John, like, to be fair, great header. Um, comes in, near pose, good contact. 
Um, like as much as you know, Kenny's kids and the revolution and all that, um, we still do the bread and butter stuff quite well, which I was happy to see. Um, so yeah, like really, like near post header, and it's just like, oh my god, and then it's just like immediately there's this kind of whistles for the halftime whistle <laughs> in the cabinet, like just the, the pure like terror that that we can undo this. And to be fair, justified terror because I mean we've seen what happened in the last five minutes of the game, the second half, so. I mean, the the whole thing was like, oh God, please just let us go on the half line yeah. with some sort of confidence here. Um, uh, but we yeah, are really, really well taken, and um, yeah, good, good to see for Egan. I think his ma was in the crowd somewhere, so you know, good, good moment for the uh, for the Egans. Yeah, Ireland being Ireland, it was about thirty seconds after the goal where the texts start flying in saying score too early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the immediate uh, reaction from my friends. Yeah, and hilariously, no, this this just popped into my head. The FAI actually tweeted, uh, you mentioned J- uh, um, John Egan and Shane Duffy there. They tweeted a picture of John Egan and J- Shane Duffy together saying master and an apprentice. <laughs> they were on the same underage team. They're the exact same age. <laughs> I was going to say, that. Not, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just find that pretty funny. Right, we do need to finish out our chat about this Ireland game because, I mean, there's another game coming up against Azerbaijan, but we will take a short break. So back again after the break with the second half of the Ireland game. All right, welcome back to Team 33. We are casting an eye over Ireland's disappointing defeat to Portugal last night. 2-1, Portugal, Ronaldo twice, two minutes in the end of the game, Ireland were 1-0 up and it was just devastation at the end. It had to be him, Jack. It just had to be him. And I'm not sure if you, did you see the behind the goal footage of the... the no, I did not the, see the, the reverse angle. It's unbelievable. His movement is just absolutely insanely good. Like if you're talking about a guy who's been, you know, the most prolific goal scorer of the last 20 years, essentially, if maybe potentially ever. And, you know, Seamus Coleman's with him until he's not. And it, if I would go on to Twitter, you'll find the footage. He just, he makes a run, he's offside, makes a run again, he misses it. Third time, bang, header, goal. And that just, that's the difference. I mean, that's the difference between what Ireland had up front and what Portugal had up front. It only took two chances. It only took two two, two opportunities and it was two goals. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why he's the men's leader in uh, international goals, the, the Mickey Mouse award, I believe. <laughs> the um, no, like just stunning. I mean, this kind of goes back years to me with the, uh, the famous goal against Chelsea from there. Um, obviously, he didn't get the same height on it, but it is interesting, obviously, so much focus on Ronaldo over the last week um, with obviously the signing at United, how's he going to fit in? You know, even the stuff with City, is he gonna is he gonna press? Is he gonna how much running is he going to do? You know, how does he affect how he actually fits into a team and, and what a manager wants to do at this stage of his career? And that kind of just summed it up because to be honest, like he, he didn't really do a whole lot other than than you know win the game single handedly by himself at the end. How many uh, how many like, years have we been saying that about Ronaldo? Yeah, years. How many, how many yeah, Champions League finals have we been saying that? You know, Ronaldo didn't do much in the game. He just scored a hat trick. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like he doesn't do much other than like score two goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, but but it is there is like a sense of truth in that because like he, he wasn't having a whole lot of joy. But then like again, like you get a, a ball into the box and the guy is he's reacting quicker than everyone. Like he's already moving his feet and getting himself in the position before anyone even knows what's going on. Then all of a sudden the ball's in the back of the net and we're all crying. It's just like, <laughs> this is this is why the guy is just the thoroughbred goal scorer. He, he really has kind of mastered the art. Um, and look, a testament to him. I mean, you can do podcasts with, with plural on Ronaldo in himself, but like, to me, you obviously see, obviously with the signing of 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 him at United this week, the nostalgia hype train really gets into overdrive, um, and you start seeing all the early clips and the stepovers and him taking people on and dazzling people on the wing, and he's not really that guy anymore. But his his transformation and and him morphing into what he is now, um, he's just his understanding of 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 where to be, when to be, and how to finish. It's just it. Well, it was sickening, obviously, um. Yeah, it is something to behold, and maybe this could be be a sign, maybe of what we're in store for for the uh, for the rest of the Premier League season. We should probably run through the Ireland team and some of the performances from players. We've touched on Gavin Bazunu a little bit in the first half of the show. I want to talk about Matt Doherty because I mean it's been a frustrating couple of years for Matt Doherty in terms of his move to Tottenham and Jose Mourinho and falling out of the squad and. It, it just didn't seem like the right move in the begin beginning because you know Jose played a, a flat four and Matt Doherty was a wing back and and then for international it has been the constant conversation of Matt Doherty versus Seamus Coleman can you get both of them into the side Mick McCarthy th- thought that you couldn't and now Stephen Kenny has changed it around largely down to injuries you know if Andy Stevens is fit is Matt Doherty starting at left wing back there's an argument to say he's not. But he starts left wing back, Seamus Coleman right wing back, three in the middle of Darrow Shea, John Egan and Shane Duffy. There's a strong argument here, Oshin, that this was Matt Doherty's best performance in an Irish shirt. I think so, yeah. To be fair, I think Doherty's he's gotten better and better, especially since Kenny came in. I think he's had a couple of really good performances. I know that game where he jumped in at centre half. Um when I think actually I think it was Darrow O'Shea or Kevin Long, one of them got injured and he had to jump in at centre half, I remember. Um, a couple of months ago, he was excellent there too. And yeah, last night he was really, really good. I mean, you consider he's not even a left. I know he's played, he has experience there. He's not a natural left back, like, or not a natural left wing back, should I say. The fact that he has, I don't think he's played. Now, I think he's played a couple of games in the, the Conference League maybe, but he's not first choice at, at Tottenham anymore. When you take that into consideration as well, the fact he was in a, the wrong position and he hasn't got that much game time and he puts in a performance like he did last night, like that's testament to him really. I thought he was so good. Like he was... When he got on the ball, he was a bit of a spark too, especially in the first half. I think he was one of the first players in Norrin to kind of get on the ball and just run and just kind of attack and try and penetrate the Portuguese defence or midfield or wherever he really picked the ball up. But yeah, I thought he was really good. He defended well. I don't really remember much coming from that side necessarily because too much coming from that right hand, from that left hand side, sorry, Portuguese right, that when, when Doherty was there. Um, I just thought he was really good. Yeah, he was just lively. He was a spark when he was on the ball. He looks way more confident as well. He was confident, like, and I think you have to have that confidence. Like, I always feel like he is a confident player. Anyway, he, he strikes me as a confident guy whenever I hear him being interviewed and things like that. But to play with that confidence against such a good team, I thought was really, really impressive. Um, he was sharp. Him and Coleman both, I thought were good, especially in the first half. 
and he got space. That was crucial. Like the Portuguese fullbacks were pushing on as they would because I mean Portugal just left Paulinho. I think was the only player that kind of really left as a holder, and the rest everyone else kind of pushed up a little bit. So there was space there for Doherty and Coleman and whoever else was running the channels. But yeah, overall I thought it was a really good performance from Doherty. Um, he'd probably be contender for man of the match, maybe either. But yeah, I thought Doherty had a, had a super game. To be fair to him. What's your thoughts on Doherty here, Jack? Because, again, like I said, it's been a frustrating couple of years for him, really. Um, can it, should, he, should he be staying at Tottenham or should he be looking for a move to try and get himself more regular football? Yeah, it's, it's what I was thinking there. And, like, I, I, I'm always kind of hesitant to, to say, like, you know, professional footballers use extra motivation like you are talking about guys that are playing in the premier league they, they are playing at the very top level so it's like how much can they really get fired up by added motivation but like when you just kind of look at the doherty scenario over the last two seasons or so he gets pretty much brought in by jose gets frozen out of that squad he's playing Serge Aurier a lot more minutes then from there and um, then jose leaves nuno gets brought in the guy that very much you know, catapults him into what we've seen over the last couple of years, or at least Doherty at his, at his height as a really lively attacking right wing back. Um, and he's thinking, brilliant, Nuno's here. And then they go and buy, what, like a couple of days ago, they spent 30 million on a guy that's played three games for Barcelona. And he just was thinking like, well, what's going on here? I thought Nuno's my guy. Obviously not. And then, like, he comes back to Ireland then, international break, maybe get away. Okay, the, this long-running Coleman versus Doherty, scenario shamey's on the right doing step offers um but <laughs> Doherty's on the left and he's like out of position and it's just like all these characteristics like i'm being frozen out of club i'm not playing in my preferred position for my country and he goes out and has an absolute stormer like and you're just like like it, 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 full credit to him my only knock would be on him there was and it's not his fault it's that he's not a natural left footer the ball maybe came into him once or twice and you're just kind of like he either brings it to the brings it to the byline, or like oh, if he, if he kind of turns back onto his right, or he, he you know, he's he's on the the kind of edge of the corner of the box, and you're thinking a left footer would swing one in here, but he, he kind of drifts back towards midfield, and you can't blame him. It's it's a right back, you know, impersonating as a left back, but in terms of his general play, his up and down, his defending, um, he just looked lively, and it, it, this is the kind of very much why we've had a conundrum of Doherty and Coleman is that like for better or worse, you've got two right backs that are two of the best players in the team but they are ultimately two of the best players in the team. So you do have to find a way to get them in. So, um, on the, I mean, on the basis on the basis of that, um, I mean, short of him going Doherty on the right and Seamus maybe as a as a, as a, as a centre-back in a tree, um, yeah, you probably would say there's, there's probably good reason to think that he, he probably should continue at left-back mm. based on, on what we saw. Let anybody who said that Seamus Coleman was finished be cast away forever because <laughs> that man is never finished. He's never finished. Until he retires and comes back to Donegal and starts playing GA with Kelly Beggs, he is not finished. Because I do want to mention one thing on him. I did love the fact that he gave Ronaldo the care and Gibbs treatment. Uh, there was clearly <laughs> like some sort of there was some sort of coming together between them. Do it again. Uh, I would have loved the audio. I would. We all would have. I mean, we uh, all. It's one of it's one of the all time greatest but... moments in the Premier League for me because he just went so Donny Gall. I was like, do it again. Come on, do it again. <laughs> you will not. You'll do not. <laughs> uh, fantastic though. Absolutely fantastic. He showed the full range. He showed the bite and getting right stuck into Ronaldo, which we all loved. Like, let's be fair. 
the whole thing is set up for him to be his movie and him break the record. Seamus is just having none of it. And uh, and then also on the break, like the man's doing step overs like, and, and kick it away, like uh, yeah, no, really, really was, um, really was good from James. Yeah, another he's he's another man that's sort of like almost fighting for his club career at the minute with you know manager after manager coming in and you know potentially Alex will be taking his place if Alex will be takes Seamus Coleman's place now. <laughs> genuine, there's no there is no justice in the world anymore. Um, but I guess moving up the side. Josh Cullen's a guy who had something to prove coming into this game as well. A lot of the players in Ireland have things to prove at the minute to be that to the, the nation or to their clubs. Josh Cullen, I think, had a lot to prove in this game because the lack of control in midfield has been an issue in this campaign against Luxembourg, especially against Azerbaijan at times, even against Andorra when you know, you're just looking for a player to have composure, show composure on the ball, take your touch, get a turn and pass the ball forward. That hasn't happened, but for me, Josh Cullen, even though he didn't have as much influence as you want your number six to have, every time he did get the ball, he didn't pick a bad pass. He picked the right pass. He was he did the simple job, and he progressed Ireland up the pitch. I think that was an important role for him, Oshin. Yeah, I thought he was actually really solid. Um, as you said, he kind of did the simple stuff right. When he got the ball, he gave it. He broke up play quite well. When you consider that role that he was in, because he's the only holder, like, really. Hendrick's not a holder, and McGraw was pushed way forward. So, like, it was just him. Kind of, not, he wasn't on his own, but, like, he's the only holder there. And when you're coming up against Bruno Fernandes, Jota, Ronaldo, like, that's a big job for anyone to do, really. And I thought he did it, he did it admirably. I thought he played it a couple of nights. He played a lovely ball over top of Connolly just before the goal um, outside of the boot. I thought he You'll was You'll be really talking good. about was that actually, for days. Oh, yeah, that was excellent, yeah. But there was actually, there was a moment as well in the second half where I think three corners in a row, Josh Cullen headed away, like smallest man on the pitch. And he was just on the front post and every single time the ball would come in, bang it away, come in again, bang away. And every single time he did it, like the crowd, well, when the camera just kind of went, wee, and then he did it, he was like, wee, and then he did it, he was like, wee, every time, like every single time he'd do it. But no, I thought Cullen was solid. And I think you're right, to be fair, he did have a point to prove, definitely. He was one of those players that kind of didn't really, uh, I, um, I think like flared to deceive a little bit in the last few games wasn't that great didn't necessarily do anything badly but just wasn't impressive whereas mm-hmm. I think it, it, that was a good I think it felt it feels like it was a coming of age or like a coming out party really for a lot of players last night um, but yeah I thought Cullen was solid in that role and I think to be fair I think we all kind of know that he's probably he's the, he's the man to do that I think everyone was kind of pretty confident that it was it's going to be him that's going to do that for the next few years so this was a positive performance and one that he probably needed and hopefully he takes confidence then going into Azerbaijan and Serbia in the next week mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I think we have to stick by him at this point. And he's 25 years old. He has 10 caps. He's playing for Anderlecht. They're a good side. Yeah. He should be in the side. He should have more caps. And well, I, I've, I've said this before on the show that if we don't stick by Josh Cullen and we bring someone else in, five years down the line when Josh Cullen, or three years down the line when Josh Cullen's 28 and we're saying, okay, maybe he's ready now, he'll still only have 12 caps. So you need to... He needs to have 20 caps. He needs to have 30 caps. Like you need to be getting up those international numbers in order to get like be ready and be good at this level. So I, I think if, if we need to stick by him for this campaign at least, and then the next campaign is when we start to judge him as proper international standard because he, he will actually be international pedigree at that point. Just to finish up, uh, Adam Ida, we've touched on 
Karen Bradley, a team 33 regular said that if you dropped a, f- a grand piano from 50 yards, Adam Eda would find a way to control it and, you know, p- pick his pass. I think he was excellent. His partner off front, Aaron Conley, definitely has divided opinion in this game. A lot of people don't like the fact that he goes down quite easily. I, w- I would argue that's just a, you know, a symptom of modern football rather than Aaron Conley being, you know, watery to use a better word. Is it's it's hard to judge him on this performance because I mean he's playing against Ruben Diaz, he's playing he's playing against Pepe, he's playing against world class defenders. Was this a good performance from Aaron Conley or was it bad? Because on the one hand he did stretch the defense very well, get on the ball, create chances, but on the other hand his touch was poor. He lost the ball a couple of times, a couple of opportunities to play Adam Eden that he didn't take. And ultimately, you're thinking a better striker. Ireland probably have more than one goal in this game, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Over the last two years, yeah, we definitely have a lot more goals. But like, look, this is this is kind of what we're what we're dealing with. Um, the best thing you could probably say about him is lively. I mean, at least gave you a sense of, geez, this guy's look. He is coming up as you said there yourself. He's coming up against Yao Cancelo and Ruben Diaz, and like you know, top, top, top uh, level defenders here. Um, and there was a couple of times, I think he went to Cancelo once and he, he got him, caught him in, just was like, nah, I'm taking that ball from you. Um, but he, he is willing to take people on. He's willing to have a go. He's willing to to, to get amongst it, for, for lack of a better term. Um, again, it's just like, it's a kind of end product. It's like, Ida probably laid the best chance of the, the game for him. He did snatch at one in the first half, but that one where he, right outside the D in the box and he just sent it into the stands. Um, there's... There's, there's probably there's enough there. You can see some things coming together, and, and uh, there's enough parts of him and other parts where you're just looking at like, oh god. I mean, he's still, there's you know, the ball isn't going exactly where it should be here. Um, so I, I don't know, but I mean, again, he does seem like he's going to get a bit of a run in the team here, just because like it doesn't really seem like Parrot is as yet breathing down his neck. Um, you know, Collins. I mean, it, so he is going to have a, a good run, but with a lot of these guys, um, and while they did all play well, we kind of said it before, before we were kind of watching the match, even it was like this is a free hit in a lot of ways. Like, we are thoroughly expected to get sparked here. Um, and when we didn't and they started coming into life, there really wasn't a lot to lose. It will be more telling. Um, I generally do think that Ireland uh, play better when they are the underdogs, but it's it's like it's more of this Azerbaijan again. We're expected to have a lot more ball. What do we actually look like then? What does Josh Cullen look like? What does Adamita look like? What does Aaron Connolly look like? Because um, we largely know at this stage what Doherty and Seamus Coleman and the likes are. It's it's these other it's a lot of the younger crowd from there. We need to see, um, you know, how they look like when they're actually favoured uh, opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephen Kenny's first game in front of a proper Irish crowd as well in the Aviva. So, I mean, he's nearly two years into his campaign and and this is the first time he's getting the opportunity to actually play in front of a, a proper Irish crowd. So you never know how that'll affect the game. Surely it'll help us in the in the long run. Maybe it won't. Just before we finish up with Aaron Conley, Oshin, I, I have a theory with him, right? He's great at stretching the defence. He has a terrier-like attitude when he's chasing down the ball. But I actually think he'd be better off training him just to be in the six-yard box. I think I think he he tries too much when he's on the ball. He is a good dribbler, but he tries too much, loses, loses his touch often, gets shrugged off the ball even more often. I think if 
Pep Guardiola got a hand of him, for example, to use a coach, he would train him up like Sterling. He wouldn't put pressure on him to dribble. He wouldn't put pressure on him to be a creator. He would have Sterling slash Aaron Connolly arriving at the six-yard box when the ball's coming across. Yeah, it's probably a good show, to be fair. There are a lot, to be fair, there are things about Aaron Connolly's game that I do like. And I I like the fact that he uh, he is lively, Jack, you said that. And that's what he was. Like, he, it was a double-edged sword because he should, the amount of times you're looking, you think, lift your head, play a pass instead of trying to go, like, put, instead of putting your head down and just running. But he does have the pace that will cause defenders problems naturally, even if the touch might not be there or the end product might not be there. He has that pace that will kind of always have a defender kind of just, just looking over their shoulder a little bit, regardless. And I think. Like I don't even necessarily mind the fact that he off he goes down a little bit too easily sometimes. I think it's just kind of that's not that's not not the worst trait to necessarily have. There are times now when the again it's about decision making really. That's the overall thing that he has to probably improve on. But yeah, to your point, I think it would be interesting to see him in that kind of position to see if uh, like I do like the fact that he kind of wants to he he'll try and do things or like. You'll never watch a game and not know that Aaron Connolly isn't playing. Like you'll always kind of know that he's there. He's buzzing around and he's doing bits like that. Like you're kind of looking at. I was looking at. I was thinking, well, who else in the squad could have done something like that? What Connolly did. Like if you had Parrot up there, I, I don't know. Would like Parrot's a great player, young, raw, but I don't know that he would have caused the the, the Portuguese defense as many problems just in terms of his, his actual pace and just his kind of willingness to just peel around the place and just kind of buzz around and just kind of annoy the defenders a little bit so I think there's parts of his game that I like and he's still young and it will naturally improve I think he's the kind of player that needs to play he's play every week I don't care where he's playing and I think that has a touch of the Obafemi about him in a way I think Obafemi has another player who's so raw that he has to play every week I think Conley's fallen into this as well either I thought maybe what it would have been too but I think the last few games for Ireland, he's kind of shown that he's just naturally developing, I think, a little bit more or a little bit better, even the fact that he's not playing every week. But I think Connolly's one of those that just needs more consistent, just needs consistent game time, really. I like him in two. I think he's pretty decent there alongside a big striker like Ida. But it's just a case of if Connolly was just that little bit more refined, just had that little bit, his decision-making was a little bit better, then you could have really seen him be, be super, super effective last night. But... Yeah, I'd be interested to see if that's something that he, he could try because like you look at his record for the 23s for Brighton. like He was banging them in for the 23s for Brighton a good few years ago. And that was as playing as a number a number nine or whatever you want to call it, like a central striker. So maybe that is the case of, okay, we we get that you are willing to take players on, you're willing to run, you're willing to do this, that, and the other, be a creator. But just stay in and around that box. Do what yeah, do a less. little bit of a Robbie Keane type. Yeah, just do less. And do less, but do what you're doing. Do, do less, but do it better kind of thing. Mm. Instead of trying to be yeah. a jack of all trades, be like a master of one type thing. Do you know that kind of way? And see if that actually ends up being effective because even if it's not, like you're still going to learn. You know, you, you st- you'd imagine he's still going to be like, he's still going to learn more from that than probably the way he's probably going at the moment. But I think he's kind of getting a little bit, un- 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 not unfair, but kind of harsh kind of criticism. My thought he was decent last night, all things considered. Yeah, I'm going to start a football manager save and I'm going to play him as that just to see if it works. And everyone everyone knows football manager reflects real life and, you know, that's how how it goes. Before we finish up, up, so... (laughs) 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 I I don't know if there's regular listeners to Team 33, but... uh, (laughs) If are there are any listeners to Team 33? Well, <laughs> well, Jack, that, that is also a contentious issue. Who knows? Who knows if they are? But they're, they're out there somewhere. 
But if you are a regular listener to Team 33, you might have heard Oshin having a go at Watford um, a couple of weeks ago or last week. And Oshin, you, you took a bit of stick for that. I, I took a bit of stick, and I think I did take a little bit of stick. I had to mute. <laughs> I had to mute the conversation because I was getting the hockey out of it from Watford fam. It was all like Hornet seventeen, fourteen followers following five hundred people. Uh, you're a clown. Don't know anything about football. All this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, the poor Watford fans didn't understand the tongue-in-cheek comment. Cisco Munez, what a what a coach. What a, do you what have a anything, team. Do you have anything Emmanuel to say to the Dennis. Watford fans? Do you, do Emmanuel you Dennis, what a striker. That was a good result they had at the weekend. <laughs> good result they had at the weekend. Oh, so, I will say this. Somebody, uh, somebody messaged the Team 33 Twitter account abusing us. And I just, you know, tongue in cheek back to him. I said, look, um, he, he said I should watch Watford before actually judging them. And I said, yeah, I look forward to watching Tottenham 1, Watford nil this weekend. It's going to be the highlight of the weekend. And that's actually how the game went. So, yeah. I mean, do I know more about football than them? I'm not I'm not going to say that, but I, I'm just going to say I predicted the score right uh, once again. So, yeah. That was that was it, team it was tongue in cheek though. It was tongue in cheek to Watford yeah, fan. In case in case that wasn't blatantly obvious enough, I think uh, I think it was that's that cleared up. It would well. be a weird beef to have. Watford. I didn't think I. It's kind beef. of a nice beef. I'm not really. I'm not. It's not like I don't go to sleep at one eye open though. Watford fans want me put it that way. Um, yeah. but, well, listen, you know how I feel because I got the same from Brighton fans a couple of years ago when I said yeah. <laughs> I, I was surprised that um, Graham Potter hadn't been sacked. And, you know, he's doing pretty, he's doing pretty okay. Pretty okay. Not, not amazing, but pretty okay. They, they get over it. They get over it eventually. Anyway, that was Team 33 in the bag. We'll have two more Ireland matches before next week, for next week's show, Azerbaijan and Serbia. Azerbaijan up first in the Viva on Saturday, then Serbia on Tuesday. Um, so hopefully we will get a win of some sort because even though it won't really affect the World Cup qualifiers, I can't see us getting going through at this point in time. Um, hopefully we get some wins so that Stephen Kenny can get his new contract because I think that's the way to go forward for Ireland. Jack O'Toole, Oshie McCurran, thank you. Thanks, Ender. Thank you, Ender. All right, so that's us done on this week's Team 33. Thanks to you for listening as ever. If you want to listen back to that show or any of the Team 33's episodes, you can get them in the O2B Sports app. That's the best place to get them. You can get all your off-the-ball goodness there, articles, videos, podcasts, everything you want. And you can subscribe to the Team 33 channel, get notified every time a podcast goes live. We'll be back again same time, same place next week talking about more Ireland international football. But until then, Ihoa, Slangofoil, take away, Johan.